Hello and welcome back to the Pocket Rocket podcast. Just a heads up for this episode, we had some technical difficulties. So if you hear the sound cutting out or a little bit of it crackling or breaking up, it's not you, it's us. Thanks, Annie. Hello and welcome to the Pocket Rocket podcast. And this is the Man Behind the Muscle series. And I am here with Joe. Am I saying this right? Ballinger? Ballinger? Second time. <laughs> Ballinger. <laughs> Everyone always gets it wrong. We've called all sorts of names over the years. So, um, yeah, no, you pretty much nailed it second time. So we'll go with that. That's yeah, the hey, problem with doing? social media, isn't it? We, we just see it written down and we all just have to make assumptions. Yeah. I can see why people would say ball injury. Quite literally is the word ball, isn't it? So, <laughs> At least you're not got one of those names where it's like some random tag and people never actually know what your real name is. It's the worst oh, when you meet someone yeah, in person. And you're so like, what's... Who's that person? Oh, it's the tall guy. <laughs> no, I mean, you don't know what their actual name is. Yeah. <laughs> a bit like Giant. Everyone just calls him Giant. And it's like, no, it's, it's Jamie. Yeah, quite literally who I was just thinking of. <laughs> if you didn't know his name, so. Uh, <laughs> you know, He'd the really like big guy. They're all big. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, thank you very, very much for joining me in this series. Um, so, as you know, I've had a couple of people on so far and the reason that I wanted you to come on was because I think over time I have seen you open up on social media and there's been kind of IGTVs where you've just literally gone for a walk in the park and you have openly spoke about your thoughts and feelings on things at one point or another. Mm-hmm. But I also think on the flip side that your social media is quite engineered at times and you obviously being a coach you're driven to kind of putting out certain content so I kind of wanted to get behind that with you Mm -hmm. and have one of those sorts of open IGTV kind of conversations you got me you got me on the open IGTV vibe (laughs) we're walking in the park (laughs) just take the phone with you (laughs) yeah so um if we take it back to your pre-bodybuilding days am i right in saying that you started off (laughs) just trying to remember back through to the cobwebs am i right in saying that you started (laughs) off as a powerlifter you are indeed yep and so I was powerlifter and I go on. I was going to say, just tell us about like how you got into powerlifting and what made you go from powerlifting to, I believe it was Miami Pro, like that muscle model. Yeah. So initially, um, I, it was basically, I started out playing rugby at school. I was, I was always a real sporty guy. I played all sports, football, cricket, rugby, golf, tennis, swimming you name it as that guy who played all the sports wasn't necessarily good at the ball but <laughs> whatever uh, so you know but like then it got like rugby was kind of like my, my main sport and I got better at that anyway I wanted to then I was at school obviously people weren't really at the gym at that age you know, you know 13 14 15 and then I was probably one of the first of our school year to start going to the gym and I realized you know I was getting bigger and stronger and it's like helping with my rugby because I was better and then 
we had a school teacher at our school who I got on really well with, and he used to play, um, you know, he used to play actually international rugby at a younger age. Uh, and then he brought in the ideology for us to do powerlifting because he was also, he, he had a back injury essentially and switched over to bodybuilding himself. Uh, and so he thought it'd be a good idea to speak to the head and try and bring in the, you know, powerlifting setup. So he did that. You know, cut a long story short, we had trials and stuff at school, which was pretty brutal for school trials. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it was like, you're weak. You can't play. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, literally. Anyway, I made the cut. Um, and then it turns out within about a year and a half, I became British European and world powerlifting champion for my age and weight class, which is quite cool. And then um, we did that for about two years competing, went, went over to compete in France and Europeans over there. Um, the year we did the Worlds, it was held in the UK, <laughs> so we didn't get to travel. However, obviously, at that point in time, you know, it, we weren't funded or anything like that. So at least it was a, a cheaper trip, so we could do it. You know, if it was in Russia or something, maybe we may have gone, but we might not be able to afford it. So mm. yeah, we didn't get to do it and compete. And then, um, you know, from there, I was, what, 20, about 20 years old at that point. And uh, I decided I wanted to go to, to university, so I went to uni. Uh, and I started carrying on with the powerlifting at uni, but they didn't have any facilities for competing. So I kind of, I carried on training, but then, you know, there were guys down there, because I, I went to Wales, uh, UIC in Wales at the time, you know, guys down there who were like bodybuilding, you know, proper bodybuilding. And I went to a gym called Peak Physique in Cardiff, and I felt like uh, very much out of, you know, I shouldn't have been in there. These guys were huge, you know, and I was just this little, kid really I was 20 years old I wasn't really that big um compared to them anyway and uh you know from then I just loved it I just loved the vibe and I just started being like right, I want to I want to do that I want to be like that so that's kind of when like kind of my love for I've always had a love for training but then my direction towards that kind of training came and then I didn't do my first show until I was actually 24 so I spent probably four years bodybuilding so to speak however obviously at the start of that I did go to uni so 20 to 22 I was bodybuilding, but I was also doing what you would do at uni, go out, have fun, you know, drinking and stuff probably two or three times a week, but also playing rugby down there as well. So I was very much a, a uni-cultured lad, I should say, if you know what I mean. A rugby kind of, lad. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> back in the day. So I, I miss those days. They were, they were good days, like 100%. And I think I'm glad I took advantage of uni time like I got my uni done but I also had fun at uni you know because mm. right now the way my life's going and stuff I don't do stuff like that anymore you know go out drinking and you know all that kind of stuff don't get me wrong I have the old beer here and there with my family maybe on a weekend or something like that obviously from the crowd. but um you know it's not like uh, the old days of going out on, on a crazy one with the boys <laughs> do you think that had you not had those crazy days as you put it do you think that you'd still be into, well, had gone into powerlifting and uh, competing. Do you think that you uh, needed to get that out of yeah, your system? No, I think I'd have always, I mean, I think I've all, I think I could have progressed quicker from a younger age if I didn't do that. But then again, who am I to look back on the 20 year old version of me now and say, oh, you shouldn't have done that, you know? Because when you're 20, I wasn't, I was a completely different guy than I am now. You know, I thought differently, I didn't think, ahead I kind of thought now if you know what I mean I was like I just want to have fun and yeah I wouldn't change a thing to be fair I wouldn't change a thing you know I'm happy with um the way I grew up and kind of the things that I achieved from a younger age uh and you know met lots of people had lots of fun and 
yeah, ticked a few boxes, so we did okay. <laughs> so what switched then that you went from powerlifting? Because I can see the yeah. attraction in doing that hybrid approach, but you've made like a very yeah. clear switch from powerlifting into probably the yeah. furthest from that into that muscle model stuff and now you've kind of come a little bit in between the two yeah i think it was it's I think a combination getting a bit old oh, we're having to, some connection you know, issues just there usually look better it wasn't just a case of just getting there we go we uh we had a little bit of a slowdown on the Wi-Fi. <laughs> I can hear. You. There we go. We're back in the game. I don't know. I don't know where we got to there. Can you hear me okay now? Yes, I can. So just take us back from um, how you went from that powerlifting into the muscle model stuff, and now you've kind of come in between the two. Yeah, sure. So I guess it was kind of like I got to an age whereby, um, like, I'd achieved what I wanted to achieve at that point because with the powerless and then I was going up out of the I was competing as a junior and then I was going into senior so I would have been right at the very you know the bottom of seniors if that makes sense um I think I had maybe potentially a year left but again like I said I went to uni and I couldn't really compete anymore and that's when I kind of getting a little bit more interested in the way I looked as a you know so I always looked I say I look good, I sound really modest. I said, I always looked like a sports guy, you know what I mean? I was always quite yeah. lean, um, you know, that kind of thing, I was trained, so I wasn't ever out of shape or anything like that. And then I was like, right, I actually want to really improve my muscle mass, you know, get bigger, get shredded, all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of where my mind, mindset shift kind of changed. And then when I finished uni, I came home and I started training in um, a gym around here, which was again, more of a, shall we say, bodybuilding gym, as opposed to like, you know, commercial gyms and stuff. And it rubbed off on me in there, you know, there were guys in there, you know, obviously big, way bigger than me, uh, a little bit older. So they have more experience. So I learned from them and I would train with them. And I just used to love the process of just progress, you know, just getting better week in, week out. And there wasn't ever really a defined end goal, you know, because at the point I wasn't competing. It was just like, I just want to be better. I just want to get stronger. And at the time also, I wasn't like, I wasn't coaching or anything like that at that point. I think I was just around doing my PT qualification, I think, at that point, somewhere around that, that age. So I was just kind of getting into the like, right, I'm getting better at this. Maybe I can use what I've learned to kind of help others. Because I've always had in my mind that I want to help other people. Because when I was younger, I wanted to be a PE teacher. That's kind of what I wanted to, to go into. And um, obviously it's worked out a bit different to that, but I'm still in a way helping people obviously very much helping people but just in a slightly different way than what I thought life very much doesn't always work out the way you know you plan it to but as long as it's something to do with what you want to do then it's all good but yeah and then I started did my first show in 24 um the girlfriend I was with at the time she kind of pushed not pushed me into it but like was like you should do this and I was like what standing stage on my pants hell no <laughs> and uh but I no, but I, I did. I ended up doing it. I so I, this was like fourteen weeks out. We entered to the to the competition in Miami Pro, and the whole time I was like, "Well, I'm not really sure about this." It got to I think six or seven weeks out, and I was like, "Right, okay, right, maybe, okay, maybe I should do this." So I contacted a coach, and I was like, 
Right, boss. I'd never prepped before in my life, so I had no clue about it. I didn't know anything about the tan. Didn't know you had to shave your body. I'd never done that before. <laughs> you know, not to that, not to that extent. Anyway, you know how it goes. Um, and then, uh, so, well, to get someone else to help me do the bits and bobs, yeah. that I could. This is weird as hell. But anyway, so I did like a seven-week prep. Ended up getting into pretty good shape, and uh, I managed to win my first show. And then from there, it was just like. I remember that feeling of winning and being like, holy shit, I've accomplished something pretty cool here. And I remember there was like 35 people on stage in my in my show and and I remember winning. It was just the best feeling ever. And I was like, okay, this is pretty cool. I enjoy this. So that's kind of my transition into, into competing, yeah. So from that moment that you stepped off of kind of that stage and you were like, holy shit, I'm actually pretty good at this. Did you mm. think... Like, this is what I want to do. Was at that point you thought, right, because then you went on to Worlds, am I right? And you travelled. Yes, I did um, I did a couple of shows in a relatively short period of time. Um, a couple of the, the smaller beds and stuff, which I think are, like, really good to, like, get out there and do, you know, your first couple of shows, get on stage. And I, I think I won, like, four out of my first five shows. And I was like, okay, that's not a coincidence anymore. I'm actually doing, I'm doing all right. And then, because um, I was just doing muscle model and I just, I always took a real shining to the posing side of things as well. And uh, I just, I quite enjoyed being creative with that and just being flowy on stage. Because one thing I noticed early, early doors was that it doesn't matter how good you look, if you can't pose, you don't do well. So I spent a lot of time kind of working on that as well as obviously my physique and, uh, and going from there. But yeah, I did a few shows, obviously ended up turning a WBFF pro in muscle model as well competed in America um yeah so did a few shows all around which is pretty cool so what was it about that that federation was it just that your partner at the time was in that and and she kind of said well I'm doing this so you could do it too or were you more drawn to that style of like you say mm. that posing than you are maybe more so the IFBB route um I think at that stage, to be honest, when I was that age, I didn't know, it was like a beginner, you know, it was first time I didn't know, I didn't know about what different federations there were. Obviously I knew about, you know, bodybuilding and the IFBB and the Olympia, you know, of course, most people, even non-competitors, but I didn't know about how many different federations there were, what the different classes were. And my girlfriend at the time, she, she didn't either. So it was kind of a bit of like, that looks fun. Let's do that. You know, I think at the time there was quite a few other people who were like just getting big on social media. This was, I think, Inst yeah, Instagram was going then at that point. Which I was in 14. It was definitely on. And I think it was just a bit smaller. But then it was when people got big real quick. So, you know, there was a few guys, you know, like Tom Coleman, James Ellis, people like that, who were like big in the game then and obviously still are now. But um, they were quite, you know, they almost started that kind of movement. Um, you know, Sturgy Constance and stuff like that. And, you know, there was the whole kind of like body power era, you know, 2012 to kind of 15. I remember that era was kind of like, that was a big growth era for the, for the industry. And there was lots of people getting into competing and social media was growing. It was a really good time for growth for like myself, for the industry, for so many different things. And it, it was fun to be a part of. And that was kind of like, I enjoyed riding that wave and, and that's where I kind of grew my my Instagram and stuff as well you know when people ask me nowadays how did you grow your Instagram you know not that it's crazy big or anything but 
because nowadays it's so fucking hard to grow social media. That was when I did it, when I was competing and I was being active and obviously when things were a bit you know, more organic to grow. And that's kind of when um, I kind of, yeah, just rode the wave and really enjoyed it. It's cool. Yeah, I was going to say, you have got a big reach on social media um, and you are probably one of the more active kind of leading men in the industry on that side of things. Um, a lot of people these days have a love-hate relationship with social media. Um, so how do you find that balance? And do you ever feel like you just want to go, oh, my God, enough. I need break. I need to come off this. I'm, I'm over it. Honestly, like, if I didn't compete, I'm not sure I'd have it. I'm genuinely not sure I would. Uh, or it, if I had it, it would purely be just for me to document some of my stuff for me to look back on. Um, and obviously, because it's very time-consuming. And by the way, this isn't me saying that I don't enjoy it, because I, honestly, I really enjoy it. I enjoy producing content. I enjoy educating. I enjoy helping other people. But it is like a full-time job, mm-hmm. you know, especially especially now with how things are. You can't just... You can't just post a topless picture and do you know what I mean? It doesn't work like that anymore. Obviously, you still do that from time to time. <laughs> but, um, you know, you have to think. Yeah. I mean, now it's all about adding value, right? So for me as a coach, you know, I'm not just an athlete anymore. I'm a coach and I've got a responsibility to other people to, to educate them and also to future clients to show them why potentially they should work with me and obviously that I know what I'm on about or I like to think that I'm on about mm-hmm. uh, at least so you know it's a it's a lot of it's a lot of planning it's a lot of preparation it's a lot of time money as well into like you know getting professional people to film me uh, mm-hmm. edit stuff um yeah, but I tell you what I, I, I really enjoy it I do enjoy it it's a lot of pressure and a lot of time but um I think sometimes I do feel like I just want to like take five but mm. the thing is, as you know, with social media, it is all about consistency. You have to show up and be consistent. Otherwise, you know, you get eaten up by the algorithms and, mm. and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, as, as shallow as it potentially is, you kind of got to play the game. Mm. Uh, it is what it is. But, you know, I'm not, I'm not necessarily doing it now to... And when I first started social media, it was more to, you know, show people who I am, showcase myself. Um, you know, I'm competing or me, me, me kind of thing. And, and that's absolutely fine because social media is my, it's my page. It's for you. But obviously now as a businessman and as a coach and as a mentor, it's now more about like obviously still showcasing myself. I think it's about having a good balance between showcasing myself, but not, it's not all just about me anymore. It's also about my clients, um, how, but also what else I can do in terms of, I want to be able to educate people. And this isn't just for, to, to get you on as a client this is just to like to help other people right mm. I generally do it when I post something like excuse me like I posted like for example a stretching routine which I spent a little while filming and writing it up and then I've got my graphic guy to make it look all cool and I had quite a few people messaging me like bro this is really good and like I don't expect them to come and pay me any money for that I'm happy to just like it makes me feel good to put that out there mm-hmm. help other people and I always believe what goes around comes around you know if you if you're just a good person and you just give stuff out I'm, I'm proper believer in the law of attraction right I oh just, same. I, love, I love that vibe and that thought what you put out you get back so you know I'm just I'm such a, a mega optimist I'm a proper yeah <laughs> it's got to be right you know just positive vibes all the time and if shit happens shit happens a hundred percent good and I think as well uh, in someone in your position you've gained so much knowledge over a long time that giving out a little bit here and there 
is so much more valuable to people because I always think like someone will say, well, coaching, for example, oh, I can't hundred or 150 pound a month or whatever it may be or 200 pound depending on your coach they go that's a lot of money and I think people undervalue the knowledge that's built over time so in your shoes for example you have been into sport of all different kinds since an early age and as people may or may not know but now from listening to this will know that you started powerlifting with a coach who is your rugby coach but he had a background in powerlifting. Yeah. So you were a sponge for that knowledge from like the age of 14. And so people are paying for yeah. all of that over time. So if you can give a little bit back, like you say, put out and the world and the universe will give back yeah, yeah, yeah. to you, then I totally agree. Yeah. Now, with that kind of, right. sorry. <clears throat> sorry. Got that little bit of a lag and it's a... Uh, I keep talking over you, sorry. (laughs) Um, With that social media then, and you're kind of saying, well, a topless pick here and there, and, oh, well, yeah, you can do it sometimes, but you can't rest on your laurels with that. I mean, we touched Mm. on this when we were speaking yesterday, but that perception that comes across with that, oh, I'm posting a, a topless pick and what will people think of me and some of the comments that you get about that because you're a big bloke and you can handle it how does that feel mm. when someone just walks up to you and goes oh well I don't like this or you look too big or I bet you're arrogant or yeah I mean like we spoke yesterday obviously off the on Instagram and I was saying that and obviously probably good for the listeners to hear is that you know I've had it so many times where I don't really go to like festivals and parties anymore, but back, you know, a couple of years back, I'd love to go to festivals and, you know, I used to, I love my live, live music and stuff like that. And more often than not, I'd get told, you know, you know, if I could, you know, if, um, so, oh, you know, I'd be having a conversation with someone, having a drink or whatever. And they'd be like, do you know what, mate, you're actually quite sound. And the amount of times I'd be like, what do you mean? They're like, oh, I thought that you'd be, you know, a bit cocky, a bit of a dickhead, all that kind of stuff, mm. bit of a lad, arrogant lad. And, which I'm just not, I am a lad, you know, I have a good time back with the lads, don't be, don't be, um, don't get me wrong, but there's so many guys, we just get given a common misconception just because we've got a bit of muscle on us and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, and I've had it before as well, where, um, I think I said to you yesterday, I remember this girl, like, sometimes, usually I let things go over my head, but I remember this one time this girl said, did she say, quite out of the blue, it was like, uh, oh, that's disgusting, that is, you know, quite literally to my face, and I was like, Normally, I just let it go. And at that point, I was just like, I don't know. Imagine if I, I said to her, I was like, mm-hmm. imagine if I said to you, just came into you, I was like, oh, I really don't like, you know, the rolls on your back or, you know, the, something about her, you know, that she didn't like. I can't remember what I specifically said. I try not to say something that was actually mean. Yeah. Um, but then <laughs> she, was, she took a bit of offense in terms of like, she was like, um, oh, well, I wasn't being mean to you. You're fine. You know, you can take it. And I was, I was like, yeah, but you need to understand that just because you think I look like I like myself doesn't mean that you can say that about me. I was like, mm. because now I said that to you, it's upset you, right? Mm. I was like, it's exactly the same other way around. I was like, just I'm a big guy or whatever. And to be fair, stuff, it doesn't really bother me that much. I just was trying to make a point to her, uh, you know, and because I, I know that I look to most people like, you know, to normal Tom, Dick and Harry's, they're like, they probably don't like the look that I've got because it's not, 
in line with, with the norm, but I don't want to be a fucking normal person. I want to be a fucking super heavyweight bodybuilder. <laughs> so essentially, if they don't have to I think the box. So yeah. happy days. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's for most people to like, you know, if you don't like it, just don't say anything, you know, because you never know what other people are thinking. And I think that's important, especially with all the stuff nowadays with, with mental health. You never know, like, people are a lot more unstable nowadays than I think they ever have been before. Mm. And um, also a lot that you would look at and think, Oh, he's got it nailed on more than likely they, they don't mm. and everybody's had slip ups and ups and downs i know how i know i have 100 percent. i'll be open and honest with that you know i'm a strong guy i lead from the front you know i've got a good number of clients who you know potentially look up to me and i like to lead lead the way i like to think of my family i'm a you know i'm a an alpha male type guy but i definitely have my times where i feel like shit and i'm like oh, nothing's going well i'm having a bad day or whatever and it's about just picking yourself up being like you know what mate you're actually doing pretty fucking well you know look around what you've got be grateful for what you've got and then i always move myself on from then you know just it's, it's about not letting sort of the little things get to you too much so but that's what i mean when people say little passing fleeting comments you know to some people it can dig a lot deeper than you mm. think so it's just important for people to realize i think and when you get in that headspace of i'm not having a good day i'm fed up and like whatever those feelings are you say you you pull yourself out of that by looking around you but inevitably there's going to be a time when you can't pull yourself out and you might be an alpha male and you might lead from the front but surely there's got to be a point where you you have to turn to someone and say like I'm not I'm not all good right now like yeah, I'm not going to lie, like, there was a period in my life, year, last year, um, when I went through a situation, and I was in a probably pretty bad, the, the worst place I've been in mentally for a long time. I was on prep as well, um, which I think, I think helped. I'm not sure, because it gave me some structure. Mm -hmm. It didn't allow me to kind of, you know, lose my shit. Um, which was good. I knew I had that, but, like, mentally inside, I wasn't really enjoying anything I was doing. I couldn't really connect with with anything I was going through the motions shall we say and I found it difficult to kind of to be me to be like my full character and I'm pretty good at masking that up on the outside to Instagram mm. you know there's probably times here and there where I, I would show it I think I did an Instagram about anxiety once a little while back because I was feeling really anxious about stuff and I was like fuck I feel really like I couldn't get rid of it and it was horrible you know I'd still get stuff done but it was always there you know and it like that mm. crushing feeling in, in your chest. heaviness that sits on you yeah, so heavy and I'm sure any of you guys who have anxiety you can obviously relate and when you've got that it's like it's crushing and you can't it's really hard to then do shit like mm. being you it's really hard so I did this tv and I remember like I got really good response from it I didn't do it to get a response I did it get it off my chest mm. and to see how much other people feel felt the same was not nice because I don't want other people to feel it but it, it is nice that you know I mean it's it's a shared feeling that the more than just I go through you know mm. and obviously when you go through these you think you're you're the only person that's feeling this way and everyone else is great and that's not the case because lots of people are going through it so it's um yeah for me it was definitely a hard time to to get through but I think talking to people you know i've got i've got an amazing girlfriend now and she was incredibly supportive and i like, understand the whole situation um like speaking to my family um 
even some clients as well sometimes, you know, just being being open. But I wanted to be <clears throat> still, you know, strong. Obviously, I didn't want anything to affect the way in which I performed as a human, as a coach, as a, you know, as a brother, as a son. I wanted all of that to still be good. And I'm pretty sure I kept it together. So I know well. So we're still here. So we're all good. <laughs> Do you think that that pressure that you bring from within to be a good coach and to get your prep nailed and to be a good boyfriend and a, a good son and brother, etc. Do you think that can sometimes make your anxiety, your feelings of anxiety worse? Uh, yeah, I'm definitely the kind of guy like I set levels for myself. Um, to be fair, I think normally with, with anxiety and stuff, I've, I've been good throughout my life. The fact that I don't get it that much. I think everybody gets it a bit here and there. But like I said, last year, there was a period for probably six to eight months where I was very bad, very, like very bad in terms of anxiety and just in my head, really. And also mm. it didn't help that I was also on prep and then I was on a prep cycle as well, which obviously, as you know, towards the end from a male perspective is, you know, can be quite harsh and quite strong, especially as a super heavyweight bodyweight bodybuilder. And then obviously my show, which is supposed to be in June, was also canceled. So I ended up competing in fucking October. Mm. So it was extended largest. There's a combination of many things that just didn't help my, my mental health. In the end, I ended up actually going to, um, to Marbella in Spain and I spent eight weeks out there prepping. And I think that was probably the best thing that I did for myself just to get out of my apartment where obviously I lived and where I was used to how things were. And obviously there was just such a big change. And then obviously I was like on my own mm. and I needed to just kind of get away from that. So I went to, to Marbella and just prepped out there, enjoyed the sun, met some amazing people. Don't get me wrong. I had, there was times I was just sat in the apartment, just kind of on my own, like, you know, kind of looking around and bit like felt a bit lonely. Um, you know, be honest, that's just the way it is. But Honestly, now I've, I'm in the best position I've ever been in. I'm through through that, through the waters. And I just wanted to say to people that when you're in a position where you don't feel like there's a way out, just stick with it. Like, honestly, just stick with it because you will get through it 100%. Like, yeah. I think that is great advice. Um, speaking myself as someone that suffers with those anxious periods and overthinking and stress it is very difficult to think at times that it will end but you're walking talking proof that you can take yourself out of that situation and you can take steps to take away that stress um and clearly that showed in your physique when it came to stage because i think stress has a massive impact I mean, cortisol is quite literally yeah. poison. Um, and I think that yeah. showed in your mm. physique last year. I think you looked fantastic. Thank you. I appreciate that. It was a, it was a hard prep. <laughs> Not going to lie. It was a hard prep. But it was, um, that was probably more so because it was just extended so long. Um, but obviously, everybody else that prep went for the same thing. So mm -hmm. we're, on the same, we're on the level playing field. Mm. Oh, good. Uh, but yeah, no, it was, it was sure the hardest year that, that I've been through from a mental capacity perspective, definitely. But uh, I'm, I'm real proud of myself for what the, for what the way I dealt with it and to come through and feel, feel the way I do now. Yeah. That's mega. That's really cool. Um, 
And kind of speaking on that lockdown pandemic prep that we went through, um, I think it's fair to say that if you can do that, then there's not a lot that you can't do. So what does 2021, 2022 hold for you? So my ultimate goal, like the pinnacle goal for me is to, to turn IFBB pro. Um, that is like my kind of one and only personal main goal. I have other business goals as well. So I want to continue to grow my business and help as many people as I possibly can. Not just like get numbers through the door, but actually get people through the door and get a fucking result. You know, there's a lot of clients, excuse my friends, get passionate. Um, <laughs> but there's a lot of, and I'm, not, and I'm, I'm by no means slating anyone, but at, because of social media nowadays, obviously every, there's a lot of people who are, you know, coaches nowadays. And I think absolutely kudos to you. If you've got knowledge in your head and you feel like you can help other people, absolutely go for it. I'm not going to be any person to sit here and shoot anyone down. I'm, that's not me. Right? Mm. Uh, and I'll always help people as well. And like for example my brother right he, he did his um pt qualification in lockdown um you know, obviously he's always, always trained so he's got a good knowledge of it and i was like dude you need to do it i was like just do it and uh, he, now he's doing it and he's got a good handful of clients and he's starting to build his portfolio and, and all that kind of stuff but yeah for me it's just about like it sounds so cheesy but like genuinely helping people like mm-hmm. any of my clients will hopefully know that i've in a lot of time and effort into all of my clients into getting a good result. I've tried to create a community of of people within my clients, like to create a vibe in my in my community that you know we all support each other. We've got our group chat, we've got the Facebook group. Um, there's like a community there that anybody comes into will feel a part of because you know any, any body transformation, any competition, any well, bodybuilding itself is a, is a solo sport. It's very much um, you know. If you don't do the training, if you don't go to the shop, if you don't do the cooking, it doesn't get done because no one can do it for you. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're playing rugby and you can you have a bad day and you can kind of rely on the team and still win. You know, if you don't do it, it's, <laughs> you ain't getting it done. Yeah. So it's just like that community that I, that I like to think I've created and feel a part of something. You know, when you're having that shit day and you don't want to do your cardio, but you look in the group and it's like, uh, you know, such and such has done this and we've done that. It's kind of like, oh, do you know what? let's go so it's not it's about just creating like group accountability making sure everybody feels a part of something and making sure everybody's progressing and everybody progresses differently i've got guys you know who compete in bodybuilding at a high level and then i've got guys who are like you know they're three or four stone out of shape and they just want to get healthy and just get fit for, for some sort of thing so for me it's just i'm happy to work with anybody so long as you come to me with a work rate you know i'll give you all the tools that you need to to make yourself feel and look better and yeah i just i love seeing progress in myself and other people and i think it's fair to say that you've got mostly male um client base do you think that that is because of you being kind of that alpha male yourself and do you think that maybe women I don't know if you've had experience of women kind of openly saying to you like I don't want to be coached by you for xyz but do you think that's because they see you as a male coach for men yeah I mean the way in which I see from a business perspective I think it's important to market yourself to the people in which you're 
like majority of people in which you think you should work with, right? If you, I believe if you're marketing to everybody on a wide spectrum, your message from marketing perspective to, to, to your clients is going to be, it's not going to be heard properly because you're trying to talk to too many people. You need to talk to the people that you want to, that you want to attract, right? Say if I'm listening to someone on Instagram and they're talking to someone who's like a bodybuilder who's looking to compete, I'm like, oh, that's me. Okay. What's he saying? Do you know what I mean? Whereas if it's like, oh, hey, you know, if it's kind of a more broad message, I might, I might not really listen to it. Um, when I say listen to it, I mean take it in and actually want to action it. So for me, it's about, you know, I, I've worked more with guys who are, you know, between a certain age and of a certain kind of demographic. Therefore, you know, they just seem to be who I work with more. So now I direct my marketing and I say my marketing, you know, the way in which I talk mm -hmm. to, to those guys because they reciprocate what I do more. So if I wanted to work more with females, I, I, I've got some amazing female clients as well who are absolutely fantastic. Um, and they, if, if, but if I wanted to work with more females, I would advertise, you know, I'd be like, hey girls, you know, I, this, do you know what I mean? So I'd mm -hmm. sort of direct to that. So essentially I direct to the niche in which I coach more, but then some of the girls that I work with, they often come, come to me because of what they've seen and they like what they see um, anyway, but obviously it's not spoken directly to them, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I think from, from a business perspective as well, and this is something that a lot of coaches I think need to concentrate on more is who do you actually want to work with, right? And it's not just a case of, I want to work with everybody because then I get more money. Mm. If you think like that, you're probably not going to enjoy the job as much because you're working with people you don't want to work with. And then so that's just not fun because you know, I, did, I did it when I first started out. I'd work with anybody. Um, and again, you know, that's part and parcel of learning and experience and get, building experience in the industry. Um, so yeah, it's important to kind of choose your niche. Again, obviously, again, when you're a more beginner coach, you can't, you can't be as, as choosy, so to speak. Um, but I think it's important to understand what niches are uh, and who you want to work with, because that's going to be a key driving force behind how you build your content, how you build your platform and, and essentially the way in which you, you are and you become on Instagram, you know, mm -hmm. I don't just mean Instagram, I mean, social media. And again, but also to touch on that, I'm very much myself. I never change who I am to mold for social media you know i'll mm. talk the way i want to talk direct it the way i want to direct it i'll never be fake and say shit that i don't believe in mm -hmm. just to get clients mm -hmm. you know, that, that that's not me so yeah that, that's just a little touch on i think i went down the business road a little bit there but you know <laughs> <laughs> you as a client now on the flip side of things mm -hmm. you're with jordan trained by jp is that right Sorry, say that again. You're with Jordan, yeah. trained by JP, yeah? So I was with Jordan, I'm now with Patrick Tour. Ah, okay. I wasn't sure if you were working with them both or not. Yeah, no, so I stopped working with Jordan in um, October, November time. So we did my last show um, in... Yeah, it was October, just the start of October, the NPC European over in Spain, Alicante. Um, and then after that, we we parted ways. But basically, I you know, my contract was up with them. And obviously, it's time to move on. It's time to start a new thing. I've got a new sponsor, uh, AP Sports Regiment over in America. And I had an opportunity to come up to essentially 
try something new. So obviously I wanted to try a different approach and I did a lot of research and I found that with, with Patrick, every time I kept seeing him and hearing him, obviously I've known of him before, a lot of just everything he was saying, I was just resonating with so hard. Like it was so like his thought processes were like, I was just, you know, he's just like, yes, when someone mm-hmm. says stuff. Uh, and I, I just resonated with it so well. And I was like, you're right, I, I would like to, to work with this guy. So I, so I reached out and um, yeah, he was happy to take me on. But again, just touching on that, you know, there was never any, you know, me and Jordan had an amazing relationship. Uh, there was never any bad blood when I moved and um, we still speak to this day. So, and obviously I'm still, still follow the guys and yeah, so we go from there. So if you're working with Patrick and Patrick is known for mm-hmm. bringing people to America, is that something that maybe we're going to mm-hmm. see in 2021? <clears throat> we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I would love, I would love to go uh, to get into America at some point. Obviously my sponsors are based in America and, you know, they go to all the big American uh, expos, you know, LA Fit Expo, obviously Olympia, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I would have gone to Olympia this year, but obviously we can't travel because of uh, COVID, of course. So next year is should be quite exciting. I mean, you know, maybe the end of this year, who knows? But obviously we've still got some pretty hefty restrictions. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm going to keep keep my head to the ground, keep working, keep doing my thing, ticking boxes, and we'll see, right? <laughs> So is it fair to say that you've got some shows in mind, but you're just, you're not set in stone yet on anything? No, not, well, the thing is, I can't really plan, you can't really plan anything for America. So I have shows this year set, um, nothing, um, so I'm competing, uh, I've got to do the, uh, the Grafties and Regional on the 5th of September, because obviously that's a qualifier. And then two weeks after that, I'm doing Norway over in, uh, obviously Norway, and that's with two bros as well and then two weeks after that i'm doing the arnold's which is obviously you know a pinnacle for for any bodybuilder to compete out in arnold's so it's going to be an epic uh, competition um but other than that well after that show if i still haven't got what i want there is a there is a number of shows after after that too and i think this year i'm going to be in a good spot to if i need to do do a couple of uh, back-to-back shows um because you know my prep's going to be a lot shorter um, hopefully it's not going to be like right Joe we have to stop and extend your prep by 18 weeks or something mm. stupid like that where it was last time so um, I feel like I'm going to be a lot fresher I definitely put on a lot more muscle uh, I'm bigger I'm heavier um, and I feel I feel good I feel confident in, in what I'm bringing this year so it's the first time going into supers that I felt confident not to say I wasn't confident before but it just takes time as you know to build Mm-hmm. muscle especially going you know the open class the, with the biggest guys you know you, if you're if you haven't got the muscle there it's going gonna, gonna to be easy to see because someone will mm. you know it doesn't matter I've, I've always been i don't want to say known but known for getting in very good condition right um but that doesn't mean shit if you know obviously it does mean a lot but if you don't have the muscle mass to back it as well mm-hmm. you're going to get left behind and I got, I got left behind in my first few super shows and it's humbling in a way. And in a way, it's helped me really, really dig in because I know what I need to do. I know I've seen the guys, I've been beaten by the guys and I look around, I'm like, right, okay, okay. I know what needs to go down here. Mm. So I've just been busting balls and just, you know, eating so much food and training so hard. And like this lockdown has just been 
it's just been really regimented for me, really. I mean, I've been very fortunate to have a facilities trainer. Big up, guys, if you're listening. I won't say the name. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so, yeah, I've been very fortunate to be able to continue training. It's actually been really good because, obviously, when I go train, there's nobody there. You know, just mm. me and my training partner. So we get in, just train hard. I eat my food, I sleep well. It's the best year of bodybuilding I've ever had by a mile. And um, everything with working with Patrick has been just very much on point. He's um, he's very responsive. He's very um, he's got high attention to detail. Like, for example, I made a change the other day to my cycle. And I asked him why. He sent me a seven-minute-long voice note explaining. And I was like, okay. That was... Um, far ex- exceeded my expectations. I thought I'd just get a little text saying, this is why, blah, blah, blah. Um, but, you know, it kind of seems to go over over and above. Uh, and, yeah, just feeling a really good spot, in good hands. And, um, yeah, things are good. Things are good. That's good. I think it's important as well with coaching that you are – everything's being explained to you along the way. And it's not an instructional thing. It's a learning thing as well. Um, I don't think we should ever blindly just do something because we're told to do it. Um, 100%. I always say the same with all my clients all the time. I'm like, at the end of check-ins, I'm like, if you've got any questions, want to know anything, ask me, please. And I always say, I'm here not just to tell you what to do. I'm here to educate you, tell you why we do things. If you're ever wondering why the fuck I've done this or done that, ask me and I'll tell you. Mm-hmm. If, a, if, a, if a coach can't justify where they're doing something, no business making that change, you know? So, and, and again, I'll never make a change just to keep a client happy, you know? If I don't need to make a change, I won't make a change. It's cool. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of coaches, again, newer coaches as well, don't be scared to not make a change. Like, legit, you're not, they're not paying you just to, fiddle with their plan each week just to keep them happy mm. right so if you believe that they're progressing you don't need to make a change then tell them that i always i'm always confident in saying you're still progressing here the plan is still effective we don't need to make any changes here just kind of being consistent doing what you're doing mm. and uh, we'll continue to tick boxes and when we need to make a change when you start to slow down we'll make a change it's cool um so coming back to this year and things like that and and you're saying about the shows that you've got lined up you said as part of that oh and and I'm in a good position to do some back-to-backs and I'll just keep going and is that the way that you think about your your goals like you're just gonna keep hammering it until you get what not like you want but you feel you're deserving of Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, to an extent, if it if it got to a point where you know my body stopped reacting uh, and I was getting worse, you know, potentially, then obviously I would stop. But if I still felt good and fresh, like I can bang another show, then hell yeah, I'm done doing it. And I think you know, obviously, when you look at the pros and they're doing you know a number of shows to try and qualify for the Olympia, for example, they they're not just bouncing to shows out of luck. It's planned. It's prepared. You know, they're taking into account their travel, their recovery all this kind of stuff and you know for me to get what I want I may I may need one show I may need four shows it may not happen this year there's so many different variables different options you never know who's going to turn up you know that's the thing with bodybuilding nothing Mm. is ever expected nothing is given until the day that you turn up and you you get shit done Um, and that's what I love about this sport it's it's very uh, it is very humbling you know I've turned up to shows thinking I'd do well 
and then I didn't place. Like at the British finals last year, I'm not gonna lie, I thought I thought I would do well, and I didn't even place. First show I've ever not placed at. And then I did the Spain a couple of weeks later, I didn't place again. And for me, it was a, I was like, fuck, like I'd never not placed top five in a show in my life. Mm. And then two shows back to back, probably the two that I thought I was the best ever for, and the ones I worked the hardest for, and I came, it was like sixth, and I don't even know where I came to the British finals. I'm sixth in Spain, I don't know where I came to the British finals. I didn't want to find out, I was pretty pissed off. <laughs> Not pissed off, I was just disappointed, you know, mm. in myself. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's bodybuilding, you know. If you can't take getting shit on from time to time, then it's probably not sport for you because yeah. it's all about progress. It's all about like you're never going to be at the top. You look at the best guys now, like Ronnie, for example, back in his day, he didn't win for ages, and then he won all the time. But people yeah. only remember that; they don't remember what he actually went through to get there. You know, so it's all about the journey. And I know that my journey is getting stronger and better. It's picking up more momentum every year that I, that I do it. And like I say, I'm learning more, um, experiencing more, getting to travel more, working with different people. And I couldn't, I'm just feeling in a very good spot with it. Like I say, training's going well. And yeah, so I'm excited. I'm really excited to compete this year. I genuinely am excited to compete. <laughs> well, I hope it goes well for you. Really do. Um, when you stepped off stage on those last couple of shows and you were like, oh shit that didn't actually that didn't pan out like I thought it was going to how did that how did you process that because I know in myself when that's happened to me I had (laughs) I'm not ashamed to say I had a meltdown and my coach was going to me you did well you placed well and I was like not well enough and I couldn't get my head around it for weeks I mean I gotta remember right now we're competing with the the best the best amateurs that there are right before pro level and the standard is fucking incredible but that's the standard that i put myself at right and that's the standard that i hold myself to every day when i'm doing stuff when i'm training when i'm eating when i'm sleeping everything that i do is is of the best standard that i possibly can and so then when you put in honestly so i prep from march competed in end of September for the final British finals and then in October for uh, the MPC European. So that was like, what, eight months of my life where it was, it was a tough prep. Like it was tough. It was long. It was hard. Obviously I went through all that stuff that I mentioned earlier. It Within that, I went to Marbella for eight weeks when I prepped there. It was just a, so it was like an intense, extremely intense period of my life. And then to just kind of get to the end of it and get absolutely nothing for it. Not, and this, this is what I mean, I don't expect shit. And this isn't me saying oh, I should have got this and I should have got that. Mm-hmm. I'm talking purely from a reaction standpoint. Oh, you frozen there, Joe. And, uh, I, just, I remember the night, I just went quite quiet. I remember we were just we're having some connection difficulties there can you hear me there we go we're back so um from that standpoint that reactional standpoint that's where we lost you yeah can you hear me you can hear me okay now yeah yes yeah yeah okay yeah i mean from that reactional standpoint i was like i was 
I was fully, fully gutted. Like mm. honestly, fully, fully gutted. Like it hit me deep. Like it really hit me deep. Because I don't think it, I, I don't think it was more so the fact that I didn't place. I think it was more so it kind of was just like I've been through. So like it was it was more I think kind of just made me feel like uh more shit you know I didn't mm. get what I wanted I worked hard but then I'm like and then I think to myself like it took me a while to I was in that I was in that period for probably three days this is probably the point when maybe saw that saw the video I posted the video the next day um I went for a walk and I always do after a show I get up super early and go for a walk because you've normally quite you quite normally eaten a big big meal and I tend to I can't really sleep well anyway mm. so I woke up I remember doing this video and just saying, like, just really openly about how I felt, you know, that I was gutted um, and I put so much work in. Again, I know all the other boys have as well. And so this isn't me saying I should have done this or should have won that. It's just purely my reaction. You know, I was, I was, I was gutted. I was upset. Um, but then, you know, it took me probably two days because then, then I was like, right, that's me done for the year. I'm, I'm done. Mm. And then two days, a uh, day after that, I was like, I came, I like, I calmed down a little bit. And I was like, I can't go out on that. I just can't. I've worked so hard. I've been away. I was like, I need to, I, I want to compete on, I want to compete again. And that's when, you know, I booked Spain and then went out to Spain. And yeah, I mean, I came, I didn't place that well. I, was, I came sixth, which is, is okay. I, I genuinely thought, I do think I should have got top five in that show. But again, it's a subjective sport. And uh, again, to be fair, after that, I was kind of, I was a bit more, I was a bit more chill. I was just kind of like, okay, that's where I'm at right now. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm at, right? Mm-hmm. Two shows, haven't replaced. I'm there, thereabouts, you know, mid-pack. I was like, I just need to be better. I'm just not, mm-hmm. good, I'm just not good enough, right? And that was kind of like a realisation point for me, you know, personally. You know, I kind of kind of knew it anyway but didn't really believe it because you know when you're on prep you have to, i believe you fucking have to believe you're gonna win that show yeah and again that's probably why it hurt a bit because in my head i was winning that show yeah i came to that show you know there's a bit of hype as well um not that i really try not to listen into that stuff but you know when people are in the dms and shit yeah. pro card come in and then I, be, I start to believe it because you have to manifest that stuff because yeah when your actions replicate what you believe you start to act that way again law of attraction stuff right and so then i kind of i was as hyped up i built myself up and then and then it was just like i'm off stage and i'm like whoa okay that's it done fuck and like i, I was a bit i was genuinely like a bit i didn't couldn't say a lot i remember getting my stuff and i was actually filming for the jp site at the time and jay was like do you want to do a wrap-up and i was like honestly man, i don't think i want to talk to anyone and i was like i just I, honestly, I just went back to the hotel and I yeah. just sat on the bed. I just didn't speak for a while. I just like, had to kind of like think about it. And I'm sure so many people have been in this situation. Yeah. It was, it was like, it was hard. It was definitely the hardest l- loss I've had to, to deal with, I think. Or the first proper loss, I think, where I actually didn't really come anywhere or where I wasn't happy with it. You know, I placed top five in shows before. I moved in Portugal the year before. And I came fifth and I was happy with that. Yeah. I only weighed like 103 or 104 kilos on stage. And I was like, fuck, I'm done. I've done well there. I'm happy with that. But this year I was like, right, I'm better now. Now I want to be, you know, I'm competing to win now. And then obviously I did fucking worse than I did in Portugal. <laughs> so obviously different people from comp, but it is what it is. So, yeah. you know, 
but yeah, I mean, after that, it was I, I did get through it. Obviously, I decided to compete again, and then after Spain, like I said, I realised right, I just need to get better. I need to level the fuck up and uh, pull my finger out. So that's what I've done. You know, is I've reacted to it. Yeah, and I think when bad, not bad stuff, but when things happen to you in life, it genuinely is about how you react to it. You can um, flop over and quit, which I did for 24 hours, <laughs> and then or you can pull your finger out and be like, right, what do I need to do to actually get to where I want to be? And uh, I think that's what I've been doing. I've been battering it away since October. I've improved a lot and um, we'll see what happens this year. <laughs> if you didn't sit in your emotions for that 24 hour period or however long people need for that little kind of, mm. I call it marinating yeah, and like uh, reflecting, yeah. it's like, would you get that drive if you hadn't had that low? Yeah, very good point. If I'd have, if I'd have placed fifth, maybe I probably wouldn't have done Spain. I'd have been like, uh, I would have still been like, uh, I wanted to win, but that's okay. So I think, yeah, sometimes losing humbles you, and it's good to be humbled. Like it really is yeah. good to be humbled because it makes you realise this game's fucking hard. It's a hard game. And nobody gives a shit about you and how you feel and yep. what you're doing, really, at the end of the day. You're a, fleet, you're a fleeting moment, even when you win. And it's important to realise that, that no one really gives a shit. No one really gives a shit. Oh, people only really care about number one and themselves. And that is the absolute God's honest truth. Um, don't get me wrong, like we do care about other people for sure. But from a you know bodybuilder perspective... You, it's done nobody nobody cares so pull your finger out and we go again you know so for me yeah I sat in my emotions for a bit and I do believe that helps me that helps motivate me definitely because I'm not a loser yeah I'm not a loser I am a realistic guy but I'm not a loser you know mm. so I wanted to come back and go again and before and when I was in Spain I was better you know I didn't do I still didn't do well but I was better I looked better we peaked better uh, you know, we did a bit of a different peak process, and I look, so I learned more about my body, and so for me that was that was a win. Um, again, going into that show, I didn't expect, I didn't have any expectations. So going into the British finals, I wanted to win. Going into the Spain show, I didn't honestly, I was like, I don't, I don't care where I come, and I had no pressure, no pressure on myself. I really enjoyed the trip, enjoyed spending time there got a car, drove around, trained at the gym, went to the beach. I wouldn't, I wasn't like, oh, panicking, fuck me, but yeah. stress on me. I was just like, cool, get me a tan, let's go. Let's go yeah. And uh, the one thing I was mainly pissed off about is that I spent hours and hours and hours and hours and hours practicing my posing routine. I didn't get to do it. So I was pretty good with that. I'm you like, should do like a, a little recording and, and get it, get it yeah. up there as a memory anyway. No, it's just so much better when it's on the stage, isn't it? And you're full shredded and peaked and everything. But I've got I mean, some. Like, I've got some from the, the the posing practice room. It's not quite the same, is it? <laughs> it's not. I mean, for bikini, obviously we. They're like, okay, show us your front, show us your back, bugger off. Um, <laughs> I think you guys being able to do your routines and even the more muscular kind of categories for women being able to do those routines. Um, I. I find it really interesting to watch and I see it as a dance routine. I think that there is a lot of effort that goes into that. So it is a shame that you didn't get to show that off. Yeah, I think with posing, right? Like I said at the start, I, 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 I love posing. I've always I just enjoyed the flow of it. And 
for me, like the, the, the posing on stage as in the, um, the routine that we get to do is a reflection of, you know, of, of yourself, right? Because you, you see some guys who clearly don't care about it. They just make up on the day. Yeah. <laughs> they look great and it will look cool. But then you see the guys who have really like, you know, that's been choreographed. He spent fucking hours on that. And I just, I can, I've got so much time for that because I know what it takes to do yeah. that. It, and, and, and what's also cool about it is that we're not judged on it. It's not even judged. So we don't have to make it like that. They've done that because they're passionate about bodybuilding. They're passionate about posing. And I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. If we have to do it, everyone would do it. Obviously, if we marked on it, everyone would do it. But because we're not, it's kind of like, well, who actually really gives a shit then? And it'll be, it'll be you know, obvious on stage. That's kind of why I was just like, fuck, I really want to do it because I had spent uh, you know, a long time <laughs> trying to get it on point. <laughs> I mean, we don't get long on stage, do we? So it's nice to have that little individual moment. Uh, well, another thing with the, with the British finals, I didn't even, I did not even get compared to anyone, and I don't really know what really went down. Like I literally stood, came out, did the normal quarter turns, didn't even do mandatories, got put on the side, that was it. That was it. So I was fuming because I didn't get stood next to anyone properly to do comparisons. So I was just like, so I didn't fucking really do anything. I was just like, well, that was a waste of time. That was another reason why I was just like, oh, I was just, I didn't really get a chance. I didn't really get, you know, if I had got up there and compared and, lost okay cool yeah we didn't really get compared properly so i was i don't know i just felt a bit shit but that's not me sitting here and saying anything at all i was just more disappointed the fact that i didn't get to kind of you know sh showcase myself properly mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but such with life it is what it is we move on we grow and we go As they say we move we move that's it <laughs> and just one more thing that i kind of wanted to touch on before my last kind of closing questions which I've asked every man behind the muscle on this um you've kind of touched on the fact that you were in a relationship and now you've got a new partner who was very supportive of you last year and you've talked about that marinating period post-show where you were like fuck that didn't go how I thought it was how I wanted it to how does that impact your relationship and how is she supportive of you? Does she know what to do in those situations or is she just present and, and supportive? Yeah, I think what's quite nice in a way is that she's not in the industry, in, in the, say in the fitness industry in terms of competing. She, she's actually a GB athlete, so she's a sprint hurdler, which is cool. Oh, wow. She's very, she gets it, you know, she gets it in a different way. Um, so she knows all about discipline and training and just but in her own way, which I admire incredibly. Yeah. I'm a track with her and she's like, Do you want to run? I'm like, absolutely not. <laughs> I'll just let you do that. I'll be I'll be I'll be a videographer slash water boy. <laughs> I'm happy with that. Um, so you know, she's um she she gets it and she also understands my disappointment because you know, she's competed at well, GB level, you know, she's more mm. Europeans and stuff, and she's had wins and she's had losses and she gets it so she was really um good with regards to consoling and also reversing my helping reverse my mindset into you know bringing me back to me being like you know this isn't you you are you're a winner you know let's get back to it let's go again so yeah very very supportive which is awesome that is really cool um amazing as well that you've got that insight but without it being a female version of you 
so yeah. she fully get i think there's there're probably a lot of people out there male and female that wish that they had that that person with them that not yeah. just says i get it but actually does yeah. get it yeah no 100 it, it definitely helps because like us like you say she's been through her own trials and tribulations obviously different sport, of course but everyone understand everyone knows what disappointment feels like and to feel it at a point where like you can't do anything about it you know what the, the event's done you can't turn back time so she gets it so yeah that's cool it's cool on a, on a level like that which is sweet very cool <laughs> yeah. so um a couple of questions just to wrap it up so we've talked a lot about things that went well in your past and things that didn't go so well but you've also said about how you feel putting things into the universe and they will come back to you so i think we're on a par with that mindset but i will yeah. ask anyway is there anything that you wish and this isn't just in your bodybuilding or your powerlifting or rugby it's like at any point in your life that you wish i'd done that differently probably essentially like i'm just trying to think i remember my a-levels year i had to reset my a-levels I failed a year. Um, Went I'm wrong. Actually, I'm actually quite. I'm actually. Well, I'm pretty. I'm pretty an ap- academic guy, um, if I do say so myself. <laughs> um, you know, I've always been relatively. Uh, I don't want to say clever. Yeah, I've been clever about myself. I'm a relatively clever guy, right? And uh, yeah, I spent a year when I was 17. All I did was go out, and get drunk, didn't do any work uh, thing. You thought I could wing it. And this, this was my first wake-up call in my life where I was like, fuck, I can't wing life. I mean, I'm pretty good at it in most areas, but, you know, you can't you can't fully wing success and, like, all stuff you have to put. It was, like, a lesson to me to, like, you have to work and put, put the work in sort of thing because that – I remember going in with my mum to get my results and the teacher pulled us aside and she was like, you need to have a word. Uh, and she was like, yeah, Joe's failed his AS levels. And I was like – what i think i got a d an e and two u's oh, wow so failed two subjects and i got a d and e in the other two so i had to retake i took some quite hard subjects what did i take i think i took history human biology uh sport obviously and then i think sociology potentially oh, yeah, history. quite a heavy four then to be yeah. fair heavy four to try and wing anyway yeah heavy four to do and actually yeah practice yeah. for let alone trying to wing it yeah 100%. So, you know, that was a huge wake-up call for me um to pull my finger out big time and uh, and yeah so that's probably something that i would probably change would i change it because i learned a lot from it i don't know one of them things isn't it would i change it i don't know it's definitely a factor that, that i learned from and, yeah. I think, and i think to move on from that point or to, to build on that point is that failure is not a bad thing i mean it's said quite often isn't it most we learn a lot from our failures and mm-hmm. i've so many fucking times in my mm-hmm. life so many fucking times but if you're not, if you're not failing you're not trying you know if you don't get out of your comfort zone and do things that challenge you you'll always be within that comfort zone and to be honest you're probably not gonna you're not gonna really make anything of yourself you're gonna be happy doing what you have done for the rest of your life and if you're happy doing that sweet but if you if you want to be better you have to do things that make you feel like what the fuck am I doing here? You know, challenge yourself, put yourself out of your comfort zone. I remember when I did, you know, some public speaking at school, I was like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> I, got up there, I actually smashed it. And I got off and I was like, that was one of the best things I've ever done. I loved it. 
and like the the reception that I got, um, and just put my put myself in that situation where like the whole week I was like, oh my god, what am I doing? I just were panicking about it, and then you get up and you do it, and you're like, that's built me as a person, like that's helped build me. So whenever you get an opportunity of something and you're like, well, I'm not sure about that, trust me, just fucking do it because. Mm you can't lose and if you lose you win because you learn yeah absolutely I don't think there's any shame in failing I always say if you're failing and no matter what it is it shows that you tried as hard as you physically could so what's the shame in giving your absolute all 100 100 I read something recently I heard it on the podcast like I would rather you fail trying to reach here than than hit trying to reach it it's like yeah. rather 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 you miss trying to reach like 100 percent of what you're capable of than, than hit aiming low you know yeah aim high and if you miss you're still going to achieve a shit ton more than if you aim low and hit i can't remember who said that potentially i not 100 sure i love my like business mental guys but uh you know that that kind of or might have been tony robbins not 100 sure but those guys those guys are like they're like the stalwarts aren't they i love listening to them like they just give me so much energy and vibes mm-hmm. for walk in the morning to get them on and they're just like fucking 10x let's go yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, love it. I mean i, so, I love brack i don't as i so like ott american but it's class i love it but and if I, that's what gets you up and gets you going then so be it honestly i love it and i love listening to you know all the motivational speeches like people like will smith and stuff like that and just some of the stuff they say yeah maybe a bit cliche but damn isn't it true like you yeah know, listened more and just actually I don't know just actioned more this is one thing that that people need to do as well is like take action so many people think shit and plan shit and stuff in their brains but they don't action it and they say don't they like the richest place in the world is the graveyard because so many people take their dreams and hopes and aspirations to the graveyard without actioning them and I think that's that's so important to just think about it you know if you've got something that you want to do just fucking do it like just do it trust me like I remember one of the biggest things I ever did was what was quit my job I was a really well-paid job working for one of my friends actually I was doing like customer service operations and stuff like that and I was working for, for Hera London one, one of my mates um Ash owns it and incredible like, such a good job great vibe and one of the biggest jumps I ever made was to leave that job full-time job really well-paid job and, and go set up my coaching business and he fully backed me to do it as well you know he fully backed me to do it and that's what a good friend is about you know and he was always like dude you're born for this go like go and do it um you know I was I was, I was PTing at the time as well so I was actually I remember I PT half six till half eight or six till eight and then I'd work nine till five and then I PT half five till half seven and then I'd train myself and then I'd go home and so my days were so fucking long yeah so long and then this was like this is a few years like four or five years ago now and uh in my days when i was working nine to five um this is when i was kind of starting to like you know in the, when it was quiet obviously i'd do my work but then when it was quiet ash was always like dude do do your coaching you know do your plans whatever mm-hmm. stuff. he's always super supportive of that and like i said really good mate and um so i would do that and then it got to the point over like the course of a few months a year I was like, oh, right, I'm going to build a, maybe build a website, so build a website, all whilst I was working at work, obviously doing my job, but then doing it in time. And so I built it all while I was there. And then I had like my own coaching stuff. I started to get a couple of clients 
And then it got to the point because I was PTing so much, I was working so much, I was training, and I was like, oh, burning out. <laughs> I was mm. burning out. And that was um, that was the first time I'd ever like I'd been I was like earning okay money then at that point. And the first time because before that I'd always been always been at uni, always been studying. Like I worked for my dad for a little bit, which you know it's like working for your old money and paying your big bucks. That's just, <laughs> Uh, doing all the labouring. Like, thanks, uh, Dad. Yeah, quite literally. So up till I was probably like fucking 27, 27, I'd never really had any money. Like, like honestly, no no money, like no real income. Probably never more than like £1,500 in my account at any one time. Uh, and if I had that in, I was like, I'm doing good. Mm. Like, no, no savings, nothing really, if you know what I mean, because I'd always studied and I'd always... I just never really had any money. So this is the first time that I was like, right, I'm, I'm doing, I feel like I'm doing quite well, but at what cost? Like my cost is my time and my freedom. And do you know what? For probably a year, over a year, that's just what I did. I just grinded, yeah? I just worked. I was up so early. I was back so late. I was knackered. I was still training though. I'd get my training sessions in. I finished the gym at 10 o'clock when it closed. Go home, eat. Oh no, actually no, because I'd have to go to fucking Tesco's. But I do my shop. Go home, cook my steak, get into bed for like half eleven. Oh, we're up at half five again. Let's go again. And you know that's what I did for, you know, ages, well over a year. And I, again, that was probably one of the processes that has just helped me learn to just grind. You know, to just yeah. work and, and to manage my time well. Um, and then at that point, you know, it, it did get to the point where I, I, I sat down with Ash. And we had a chat and I said to him, what do you think about me, do, you know, leaving and going, you know, going for it, you know, sort of thing. I'll pick up some more PT, I'll start my own line. And he was like, mate, fucking do it, go for it. So, you know, he backed me to do that. So I did it, it's back in 2016, I think, 17. Um, so I did it and uh, I never looked back, you know, I, I've quit the job, I had so much, I was like, oh my God, so much time, what's going on? Um, obviously I dropped off a full-time wage, you know, I was on a, that was a really well-paid full-time wage job, so I just got rid of that, um, and then went from there, and I'm not gonna lie, I went, I, it, was, it was hard, it was hard at first because I had to then build the business, so I went, because I went, I lost that full-time wage, I pretty much went back to having very little money again from the next month, Mm. oh shit and so again that was like a wake-up call but again sometimes you just got to make the leap right there isn't ever going to be a perfect time you know and again that's said all the time people always say it and i can't stress it enough when would i have left when would mm -hmm. there be a perfect time there wouldn't have been i would have mm -hmm. just i would have just not done it that's the only the other option is to be like oh actually do you know what i'm getting paid well here i'm never going to make it doing that so i'll just sack that off Mm. And that's what a lot of people will do they'll leave it because it's a risk yeah you know? risks are scary and they are but risks fucking pay off if you put the work in yeah um and that's what i did i put the work in um it probably took me a year about a year probably less than a year to be fair to build up my pt portfolio and then i moved over to i, I was in a smaller gym well to be fair i was in the snc gym that i was trained at, which is a proper it was a proper bodybuilding gym again at the time. Tumping tunes, great kit, all the hamstring stuff, bits and bobs in there. Uh, Jordan was changing there as well with Corinne at the time, which was cool. Um, and yeah, so we like, I built my business from in there. And then I moved from there over to, to DW. Um, and obviously DW is a much more commercial gym. So obviously I picked up a lot more clients there. And then the whole, whole while I was building the online side of things. 
And then about probably a year and a half, two years ago, I decided, right, I'm going to stop. Or maybe a year and a half ago, I'm going to stop full PTing now. And, was, and I was just like, I'm in a position, oh, I, I planned it. So all my PTing, excuse me, was, what did, I tell, what did I do? I did 20 a week. So I did four hours, Monday to Friday. And that was it. That was planned. I could have done more, but I didn't want to do more because mm-hmm. the rest of the time was for training and then for online. So my days then were seven till nine. And then I have a little sort of breakfast, get up and breakfast. Then I work seven till nine. Then I go in the staff room, have a little meal. Then I do half nine to half 11. Then I'd go in the staff room, have my pre-workout meal. Then I'd go off to train, not at that gym. I'd go off to another gym, yeah. um, train, come home, have my post-workout meal. And then I'd sit on my laptop and do one on coaching work for however long that I needed to do it for. At the start, it was like 10 minutes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, then, and then obviously it picked up. And now, now obviously it's at the point where I don't PT. It's a full-time job. I spend flipping all day doing it, but I love it, you know, mm. and how I've built things up over time. And I just wanted to highlight to a lot of people who would potentially look at me now and see a successful businessman running a really good business with a lot of clients is that that isn't how it's always been. Like it really hasn't. And literally only two and a bit years ago, you know, things were, were harder, were a lot harder when I was building things out. Um, and one of the biggest things that I did was invest in someone to help me do that from a business standpoint. You know, I've always been, I know what I'm doing from a coaching standpoint. Um, don't get me wrong. We can always all improve as well. So I still invest into coaching programs and investing in my own knowledge. But what I wasn't very good at, in fact, what I was absolutely shit at was uh, <laughs> the business side of things. I didn't know anything about marketing, didn't know anything about sales, didn't know anything about tech, website design, any of that stuff, Facebook ads, any, I didn't know anything about it. I didn't even know really need to do it. I was crap on Instagram, you know. I wasn't crap as in I had no structure. I would just, it was ad hoc. Um and yeah, so I learned so much from investing. And I think that's so important. People are scared to invest nowadays. It's important to like put money. It's because it's not a cost. There's a difference between a cost and an investment. An investment mm-hmm. back to you because you're getting something out of it. A cost is where you lay out something and you don't really get anything back for it, nothing to show for it, um, apart from maybe a material item or something. But um, yeah, with that, you're paying for knowledge, right? And, and experience and is so important because mm. it's the process so much like for you to learn a system coaching systems is probably one of the main things that I did because at the start I was doing it on like word documents and emails and stuff and obviously like to do one check-in would probably take me half an hour like legit so you know to have even 10 clients was like I'm struggling yeah so you know it's all about having systems in place to be able to optimize your performance as a coach to, to get back to people quickly um, within within the time that you set um, and to give them good concise information so I like to do voice notes for my replies I like to do about a minute at least a minute around about a minute concise to the point with regards to what they need um, sometimes longer if needed and then obviously any changes that they need as well but yeah that's kind of a bit of a an evolvement that word evolution yeah of my uh, of my business and my personal life from a few years ago up until now. Just listening to you speak about how you took that leap from, it wasn't even a leap, was it? You, you structured it in so that you went from working full time with a little bit of PT to then just gradually 
tipping the scale so it's a little bit more of one and a little bit less of the other I would say that the bodybuilding structure that you and other men behind the muscle have echoed is that that structure they thrive on it and by using that structure to move your life into a different direction it sounds like that worked really really well for you honestly when I was younger I didn't have, I didn't really know what morning routine was. I, you know, I'd sleep in and life was just, you know, when you wake up and you're like, fuck, I've got to be something in five minutes. Yeah. Washing around and like, I don't even have to do my hair properly. I can't imagine what it's like for you. So, <laughs> um, you know, you know, you wake up and you're like, I'm already anxious because I don't know where I need to be and all this kind of stuff. But now, you know, timings, you know, being on top of time, time management in terms of like, I know what I've got to do when I've got to do it. Things are planned out. I know what day I'm doing things. And it just, I just feel calm. I'm like, what's that? It's cool. Like, I'm yeah. <laughs> but before, like to plan things out, I, I'm I'm such a visual person. Like, it stuff's in my head. I'm like, oh, I can't handle it. I get mm. like, you know, I'm thinking about what this week. I just literally just write things down and get it out of my head. I'm like, what do I need to get out of my head? Get out of my head. Get out of my head. Get out of my head. Quite often, I make note a thousand notes in my phone. I'm a notes guy. Yeah, notes the key out there. So good. And um, so yeah, I just think of I would put like a to do list and I just bang it all in there. And then once it's all out, I'll kind of structure a bit more into my calendar. Um, and from like a business standpoint, that's the most like, I think especially the more, the busier you get as, as an online coach, um, it's important to know, you know, when people are checking in, when you need to reply, but also when you need to do other jobs as well, you know, like client inquiry calls. It's not just about running the business and the retention of the clients. It's also about scaling the business and growing the business as well. So you can't, you can't just keep doing the same thing. You've also got a, produce new content to get new clients um but value- dare i say it's also about planning it in so you have a social life so yeah. you can be in that that present in that moment with other people because you're not thinking about five other things that you've not done that day so i was bad at this i'll admit that i was bad at this at, at first because i was all about the grind yeah work, work harder than me <laughs> you know and, and i think it, it was good because it helped me kind of get things set up but honestly it is so important I can't stress enough to have that time to chill um I try and have a day a week where I do like I'll do like a half a day and then on the weekends I try and chill on the weekends I might work on a Saturday morning I'll take a Sunday fully off um I'll plan ahead like say if we want to like obviously cinema's a shot but say if we want to do cinema on Tuesday night it's like right okay I know I've got check-in so I'll make sure I get that done early if I've got to train I'll make sure I do that then and then I can spend the evening with Sophie and chill out sort of thing. But 100% it is, is key because so I still do it from time to time. Don't get me wrong. Because mm-hmm. she just, she's, she goes, you're always working. I'm like, she's like, get off of that phone. Get out of that laptop. I know. That's just one thing as well. I'm quite good at, I try not to go on my phone. I go on Instagram a lot because obviously we have to be on. on the, yeah. Or you know, moves my business. On, like I use an app and it's all, or like a, software on the website on the website so you do a lot of it on my laptop so i'm either at the laptop working or i'm away from it mm-hmm. before, I, before i was doing it all on whatsapp and had it all on my phone and then you can't get away from it yeah and and then i did get another phone so i've got two phones so i've got two phones i still have two phones so the guys can message me if they need to but any coaching related stuff is done within within the app so coaching stuff obviously if they need to message me outside the airport it's more urgent then obviously we can do that because we've got yeah. good whatsapp chat and stuff so um but yeah 100 percent about managing time which I, I, I could 
you know, we'll, we'll, we'll keep working on that. <laughs> as long as you're working on it that's what matters and if not i'm sure sophie will remind you that you need to work on it (laughs) um so one last question um you are known as a bodybuilder as a coach um but what do you want to be remembered for oh it's a deep question (laughs) i want to be remembered for i think um, I want to be remembered for somebody uh, as somebody that, that likes helping other people, that has a genuine and keen interest in seeing progress in, in others. Um, of course, you know, I'd like to be, I'd like to say, I'd like to be remembered for um, bodybuilding. I'd like to be remembered for the guy that can get into pretty nutty condition. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, if I'm completely honest, I, I'm not sure I'll be remembered for winning Mr. Olympia you know we've got to be realistic at times you know I think I'm a I think I'm a good bodybuilder but you know from a genetic standpoint I'm probably not going to be number one in the, the world at the Olympia but I think um, I think I can push things pretty far I'm confident I can I'm, can get to pro level and be a relatively competitive pro um, and go from there so I'm, I'm excited I'm excited for that journey to get to the pro card and I want to be remembered for somebody who has got a, a natural work rate, likes to work hard and demonstrate that for other people to see as well. I like to be an educator, but also a motivator as well. I genuinely take pride when, you know, someone will check in, for example, and they've had a shit week and I'll send them what they need to hear. You know, I'm quite good at doing that. And when they reply, you know, stuff like I needed to hear that, you know, that kind of stuff. I love that. And also when I get like, you know, client transformation and it's one of those, you know, not a guy who's just, you know, got shredded. Normally the ones that like, it's more than the physical side of things, you know, they've been through some crazy shit, um, got over some crazy personal or mental barriers. And when they, when they like, you know, we'll post the picture, but I know, I know more than what the picture suggests. And like those kind of, to help people out on that level, um, you know, that, that just does so much for me. I know that's not necessarily saying well, that's what I want to remember for, but that's most definitely one of the things that I enjoy most about what I do. Um, to be able, like, when the client says to me, you've changed my life. Yeah. Like, just like that, it's deep, right, as a coach. And um, it makes me realise the value in what I'm doing. You know, because some days we can get a bit carried away in, you know, social media and it's a cool job. We get to travel around, but then actually it's like the actual, the, the deep crux of what we do and how we can actually quite literally change someone's life physically and from a mental standpoint is incredible. And like, that's a powerful thing. Like that's like, I've got, I feel like I have a, a duty of care to help people. And it's a powerful thing to be able to, to own, to be able to do and for people to entrust you with that mm. you know, and I quite often think people don't actually 100% know what they're signing up for sometimes mm. you know, they they'll start a journey that they don't really know where it's going to end we never really know where it's going to end but I can guide and push and strut and offer structure and advice and motivation and some people take you know some people react just so well and they it just they, their mindset shift change that is to me is just incredibly attractive and I love seeing it I love being a part of it so yeah so you want to be remembered as a grainy bodybuilder yeah. who is kind, motivational, 
and uh, helps people achieve their goals. I'm going to go with that. Yeah, that sounds yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Right. Well, Joe, it has been an absolute pleasure talking right. to you. I've Thanks. really enjoyed learning a little bit more about you, and I think that people really enjoy this episode too. No, thank you. I really appreciate that. It's actually nice to kind of say some of those things. You know, a lot of like even the stuff I spoke about earlier, maybe before I wouldn't have been able to talk about it that openly like that. Um, I think, uh, yeah, so no, it's really, I genuinely really enjoyed it. It's nice to talk on it on a deep level about things and and almost help understand myself a little bit more, you know? I'm just out here giving free therapy. This is all this is. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, thank you so, so much. And um, yeah, if anyone wants to find you, where can they hit you up? So obviously the gram you can find me on instagram at joe ballinger fitness or i've got my website as well which is www.joeballingerfitness.com nice and easy lovely okay well thank you and um we'll speak soon i look forward to it thank you so much bye